Welcome to Wild and Crazy Night. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Hogan for the win. We're going to consistently put players in position to succeed. The most important piece is we're going to take the North and never give it back. From CHGO, it's Adam Hogue. I don't think that this is a, bit, a full rebuild, but you definitely have to retool your roster. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Hey, what's up, Flues? And we're going to have measurable ways for standards of performance every single rep, every single game. Anyway, uh, who cares? Now, here they are, the Adams. Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. Hogue and Johns back with you. Now well into the offseason. It feels like suddenly playoff football, a bunch of games in, some things to learn from those. Johnsy, what's going on? What's going on? Have you ever been in an indoor water park with a bunch of drunk Packers fans watching a playoff route of the Cowboys as they stack empty beer cans on a table because I have <laughs> can I ask you a blatant question blatant well I don't know if that's the right word but um, why the F are a bunch of Packer fans watching a playoff game in a water park <laughs> so every year us and some family friends we, we get out of here and we go to an indoor water park in Wisconsin yeah. in an undisclosed area I'm not giving away my secrets but um this year, well, it was just packed with Packers fans, and that's when the game was on. And there's a big TV there with the audio and everything. So it's a nice little location, I guess, to, to enjoy watching the Packers throttle the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. I did have a Packer buddy on a flight to Hawaii during the game, and they were able to watch it on the plane. So, I mean, I guess you got to get creative. Or you could just, you know – plan better i guess i don't know uh <laughs> it, maybe was, it was uh, their plan yeah maybe maybe um but yeah good for the packers that was a that was a big win and uh congrats to them for having their third straight amazing quarterback that's good um well welcome in follow us on twitter at adam hogue at adam johns and you can of course follow our show account at hogue and johns and um HoganJohns.com is where all the merch is. Uh, I am at our CHO studios today because my internet is down. I don't know if you know this. It's negative 9 degrees out or whatever it is. It's beautiful out. Be careful out there. It's like no traffic, and yet I saw six different accidents coming downtown today, even though the roads seem dry. No idea what's going on, but it's just weird out there. Well, it's not the roads. It's like the exit ramps that I don't think people can handle. On the, way, on the way back from Wisconsin, I saw a Piggly Wiggly truck that veered off the road and was, like, hung up on top of a, a hill. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, probably should just stay inside, but that makes it hard when your internet's not working and you have to do a podcast like this. So uh, we're on the move today, and uh, we're making the best of this. This weather, quite frankly, sucks. I could deal with winter, but once we're below, like, 20, I'm out. This is ridiculous. Um, but... The uh, the football continues to be interesting. I've seen a bunch of people, Johns, and I get it. Like, these games weren't necessarily close uh, this weekend. You know, there's really just that Lions-Rams game that came down to the last few minutes. I still found the games interesting, though. I mean, because I don't know that they... It's not like they were blowouts and predictable at the same time. I mean, the Texans doing what they did to the Browns, 
I don't know how you don't find that interesting. Um, Especially even last, with C.J. Stroud involved. Yeah. Um, and then, Especially if you're a Bears fan. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, I think, hindsight's twenty twenty on that whole conversation. Um, but I do think it's very relevant to, you know, essentially the same situation popping up but this yeah, year. But for, yeah, forget like passing on him. It's more or less... Oh, maybe this could work immediately with a rookie quarterback next year if our defense is good and DJ Moore is still DJ Moore and Cole Komet is still Cole Komet. Just, just a thought. Right, which is something I should probably plug my newsletter out this morning, um, which CHGO diehards can get if you're uh, a CHGO diehard. Go to allchgocom diehard to become one. You get access to my newsletter, and that's what you know. I wrote about that. Um, First of all, we got the news that Caleb Williams officially in the draft, so we can, you know, stop talking about that ridiculous idea that he was going to go back to USC or something. Um, but then the other thing is that that continues to get talked about is, you know, this idea that he wouldn't want to be a Chicago Bear, and I just I don't find much logic in that either. I wrote about that today. I think when we talk about these rookie quarterbacks, no matter what year it is or who they are. It's all about fit. It's all about the situation they go into. And the Bears are just too often the team that has the bad situation. And maybe for the first time ever, not only are they in the good situation to bring a rookie quarterback, but they also have access to a quarterback that has fewer deficiencies than we normally see from rookie quarterbacks. So, if anything, I think it's a perfect situation that both sides should be embracing um, and I think that much like this, these rumors that Kayla Williams wasn't going to enter the draft, um, I think this idea that he wouldn't want to be a bear is pretty much overblown and not even a real thing. I, I don't mind the, the Eli Manning argument where you – like I, I believe players probably deserve a bit more control over their draft outcomes in a sense. Um, I understand that side of the argument. Um but to me, like one, I don't think the Bears' situation is as bad as its toughest critics make it out to be, especially with even with Eberflus coming back. Just in terms of the pieces they have offensively, a great defense you have really come to fruition already. I and mean, you're thinking top five defense next year for this Bears group, right? Just in terms of what they could add to it, the money they have in free agency and the draft capital. But beyond that, like just in terms of like the individual. Like, if you're an elite competitor, I'm, I'm going to throw out all sorts of, like, coachisms right now. But if you're, like, an elite competitor and you value, like, that type of, like, internal competition with yourself, how great would it be to become the first good Bears quarterback ever? With all due respect to, to Sid Luckman, but this is a different era. But you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. You can be the first good Bears quarterback ever. Ever. Modern history. Sorry, Sid Luckman, but you get my point, right? Like, that's got to be, that strikes me as very appealing to a player like Caleb Williams. Does it not? Like, you can be the first good Bears quarterback ever. Like, okay, I want that challenge. Like, that's how I would try to interpret it if I were, like, a Caleb Williams or a Drake May. Like, that type of motivation. Right, and I think that if you're... I think Caleb Williams is more that guy that you're describing right there. Whereas if your mindset is anything along the lines of 
well, that's where quarterbacks go to die, so I don't want to go there, then you don't have enough self-confidence. You don't have enough confidence in yourself. And I don't think that's who Caleb Williams is. I'm just saying if that's your mindset, then – and I think that's why so many of these quarterbacks, you know, even like a Bryce Young last year, probably embraced the challenge of going to that Panthers team, even though the reality was it was a terrible spot for him to go, especially with some of his deficiencies um, that I don't think Caleb Williams shares. C.J. Stroud in Houston. Yeah. That organization was a mess. Projected mm-hmm. to have five wins this season. How many did they get? Ten? Now 11? Second yeah. round of the playoffs? C.J. Stroud was the driving force behind that. Yeah. So, I and another point I made in my newsletter this morning is just, you know, this idea that Bears, that quarterbacks go to Chicago to die or whatever. Like I thought that was receivers. Well, there's that too, but my my point is: show me the quarterback that was in Chicago and was terrible, and then went somewhere else and was good. Like, was Rex Grossman bad because he was in Chicago, or because he was Rex Grossman? Because he was the same guy in Washington. Kyle Orton was the same guy in Denver. You know, Jay Cutler went to Miami. He was still Jay Cutler. You know, you can go on and on and on. And I'm not trying to make any type of argument that the Bears are good at developing quarterbacks. No, and I think of all these arguments, Justin Fields is probably the most talented of all these guys and has certainly not been put in position to succeed. But the sad truth of it is you can't go back and change what happened in 2021 or 2022. You just can't do it. And the situation Caleb Williams would be coming in in 2024 is completely different insanely different because not only does he have a much better roster that's not about to be you know torn down but they don't have to trade draft capital to get him they could draft Caleb Williams and still get another really good player at number nine is it like Mitch Trubisky 2018 now Mitch did have 2017 but just in terms of like situation in terms of what the organization has provided the young quarterback. Now, obviously, the offensive coordinator situation still has to, well, be finalized. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But just, you know, I'm talking about blossoming defense. 2018 had it, right? Yeah. You had Allen Robinson acquired, Taylor Gabriel acquired, DJ Moore came last year. You're probably looking at at least another receiver coming in the draft just in terms of the situation presented to the young quarterback to step into. 2018, while not the perfect comparison, that whole situation helped Mr. Trubisky produce a Pro Bowl caliber season. Right. With a giant asterisk on those words, Pro Bowls. Uh, a Pro Bowl, but (laughs) um, that type of season he had, though, is, is one that Justin Fields has not had. But I it, right, but I think that's also proving my point in that. So even when you gave Mitch Trubisky kind of everything he needed, he was still Mitch Trubisky. Like that was the ceiling. So the mistake wasn't that. Well, that Mitch his coach Tr- kind of stabbed him in the back come 2019. But that's a layered discussion if you're going down that road. Okay, but was is was Mitch Trubisky ever going to be good anywhere? Probably not. That's my point. Yeah. Right. Like the the the. 
I, 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 my point is, and especially in this town, as we get so caught up in who to blame, is it the OC? Is it the offensive line? Is it the weapons around them? Like, this ultimately, the most important piece is do you get the scouting piece right? Do you draft the right quarterback? Okay. And then once you get that, it's the situation that they're in to really, you know, talk about Super Bowls. But, I, and that's where I think that this is. This has a great chance to be both. That this is, you do have the right environment to put a rookie quarterback in to play right away week one. Is he going to go through some rookie struggles? Absolutely. They all do, at least a little bit. So I'm not saying that it's going to you know, be Super Bowl next year. But on top of that, you have access, if you're on the Bears side of this argument, you have access to the quarterback who certainly there's no sure thing, but sure seems to check all these boxes, that you're not making some reach on a guy who only has 13 starts, that you're, you know, got all this conviction in for all these random reasons when you miss on Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes in the same draft. This seems to be, to me, the stars aligning um, where for the first time maybe in Bears history, it works for both. So getting back to the original point, which is I just don't buy this idea that Caleb Williams, you know, is is going to put his foot down and be like, nah, I don't want to be a bear. I don't want to go into that situation. I want to go to Washington, you know, which is his hometown. Fine. But is that a better situation? Is New England a better situation? You know, is, that, is, is the, the Raiders trading up a better situation? Like, I find that hard to believe. What did uh, Ian Rappaport tweet when he uh... – he basically said that he's he's he'd, he'd welcome any situation, right? Yeah, yeah. It was a very strategically placed uh, wording. I'm looking for it right now. Yes, that's what I thought. I can't find it right now, but the highs here it is. The Heisman Trophy winner enters the process excited for whoever ends up selecting him. Yeah, yeah, I and I it's... get it. There's some different things. You know, he hasn't hired an agent yet. Um, Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent, and things didn't play out well with the Bears and Roquan Smith, who didn't have an agent. I understand that, but the talent is, like, if you're Ryan Poles and you like the person, since that's the next step here in terms of the evaluation process, mm-hmm. like Caleb Williams, you watch enough of him, he just blows you away sometimes. To use, again, the words that Ryan Poles wants to use, blown away, like some of the plays he makes, blows you away. It does. Right, right. And I think the I think the level that you need to be blown away, even though Ryan Poles did say that last week, I think the level is a little different this year because just look at C.J. Stroud. I think with Justin Fields coming out of year two, you know, going into year three, the level that you would need to be blown away to pivot from that situation is different now that you have a third year under your belt, another year of of getting to know this guy, to to get all that tape in, um, and one year closer to the fifth year. I mean, we're months away from having to make a decision on the fifth year option, and one year closer to not having team control over him. So I think that also, if that makes sense, adjusts the level that you need to be blown away 
to pivot off of your court, current quarterback. And I think right now that's a little bit hard for some fans to accept, and I totally get it. But I also think it's the reality of the situation. The Bears failed Justin Fields. Like I, I, I've written a column on this. Uh, I've mentioned that line in multiple columns since then. They have. It's allowing Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy in the first place to, to select him. Then you fire them. It's bringing in Ryan Poles, who wants to tear down in year one. It's hiring Luke Getze without any NFL play calling experience. It's having a defensive minded head coach. Like all of those reasons, they add up. They failed Justin Fields. Now, Justin Fields eventually, I think year three, that's why year three was so important last year. Like, they added DJ Moore. Cole Komet was better. They, they drafted Darnell Wright. They brought in Nate Davis. They invested offensively. They did. They did. Braxton Jones, year two. They made late receiver selections in the draft. Albeit, maybe you want a little higher, but you get my point. There was offensive investment made. Progress just isn't there. Again, the money ball approach to this says... That Justin Fields' numbers just aren't good enough to pick up the fifth-year option. Kevin Fishbane has a long analysis on this on The Athletic. And yes, Scheme is to blame. Luke Getze's to blame. The Bears did blame him. He's out the door before Justin Fields. But the hard numbers, the data, right now has Justin Fields as a bottom-third quarterback. And in some cases, the bottom quarterback in some statistical areas especially when it comes to two-minute situations, which is one area that Ryan Poles said specifically that Justin Fields has to be better at. So if you're going to criticize him anywhere, go where the GM is looking. Those numbers are not good. Hypothetical for you. If Jerry Jones had the number one pick right now, do you think he's drafting Caleb Williams? Probably. If Chris Greer and... Mike McDaniel had the number one pick right now in Miami. Do you think they're drafting Caleb Williams? See, I think that might be different. Um, they haven't paid Tua yet, and they the fifth year option that is guaranteed though for next year. Yeah, but they um, haven't given the big contract. True. True. Um, my point is, I would say maybe no there. Okay, but but my point is like Dak put up MVP caliber numbers this year. Tua has looked a lot better since they added Tyree Kill. Both of those quarterbacks lost in ways this weekend that what are they talking about in Dallas right now? What are they talking about in Miami right now? They're still having these tough conversations about their quarterbacks that at this point, it's undeniable, have been better than Justin Fields. But the the Bears do have the number one pick. See, that's like the next level of quarterback arguments that we cannot even enter or fathom, right? right? Like, But that, they're happening yeah. in those cities. I know. It's like the Kirk Cousins argument. Like, good during the regular season. How is he in the playoffs and, and in big moments, right? Like the, the clutch elements. The pressure's yeah. on and it's a must win. Like, that's the conversation in Dallas for a couple of years now. That could be the conversation in Philadelphia after this year, um, after next year. You know, like... That's definitely the conversation in Miami and has been for a bit. Um, Chicago's not there yet um, because Tua led the league in passing. Dak, another great year statistically. Jalen Hurts, for as much as he had 
like didn't repeat what he did last year, still a good season. Um, that's a different level of quarterback argument. Um, that's where you start talking about like the Josh Allens, Patrick Mahomes is like, how do you get to that level of quarterback play? Like, how do you find that? I think we're just for the Bears, like finding that guy to even have the argument about is 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 like the 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 minor goal here, right? Like the first step of the process, like finding your Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, like argument, like can he take us over the hump? Because at least he got to the hump. We're not at the hump yet. So, uh, by the way, speaking of all this, Dane Brugler has a new mock draft out this morning on The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns is where you go to subscribe and get access to it. And number one, Chicago Bears, he has drafting Caleb Williams, quarterback out of USC. Um should I read this real quick? He says, The Bears quarterback situation will be a hot topic as we wait for general manager Ryan Poles to reveal his cards. I don't know what he'll do, but I can tell you what other NFL teams believe he'll do. Trade Justin Fields and draft a quarterback at number one. This is, a, is as much a financial decision as it is a football decision. Williams isn't a perfect prospect by any means, but he is the favorite for number one because of his playmaking instincts. He needs to be more consistent, but his poise and creativity are what make him special. Drake May, number two. Drake May, number two to Washington. If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual menswear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box, watching the game later with your friends, maybe getting a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, maybe with a Hogan Johns polo or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Roan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, and works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Roan's commuter collection features wrinkle-release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Now, the more pressing conversation that needs to be figured out here in the next few weeks, offensive coordinator, and we learned last night that the Bears interviewed former Ravens, former 49ers coordinator uh, Greg Roman. Your reaction to that news? Well, my first thought is, well, yeah, to be expected. Um, probably the best free agent offensive coordinator out there right now. Um it is important to remember why he is a free agent. The Baltimore Ravens, who did not miss him, fired him after last season. Lamar Jackson, great season without him. Um, their offensive coordinator was it Todd Todd Monken? Todd Monken, yeah. Todd Monken. Who's getting who's getting um, head, head coaching coach, head, head coach interviews 
for the job he did with Lamar Jackson. This year, Greg Roman spent this season, I think, in high school football more than anything. Um, not surprising. Um, he is very different compared to maybe some of the previous interviews. Like, So here's, here's your list. You have Shane Waldron, Liam Cohen, Clint Kubiak, Greg Olson, not the former Bears tight end, the guy on TV, not him. It's Olson with an O, two O's. And then you have Greg Roman. Um, I think Olson, while connected to that McVay tree, he's been in the NFL forever. I mean, he's been an OC in, in, in multiple cities, multiple spots. Um, most recently under John Gruden with the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, so he didn't call plays, but part of that offense. And Waldron, Cohen, Kubiak are obviously part of that Shanahan um, McVay tree. Kubiak, actually, his father, I think, planted that tree years ago. <laughs> there's, a, there's a literal tree yeah. that was planted. Um, yeah, I'm going to be quite honest. I don't like the idea of hiring Greg Roman. Um, I think a lot of these other candidates fit what both Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus talked about last week, which I think is important, versatility to be able to handle many different quarterbacks. Um, I know I've said this before, but every time I watch Caleb Williams, I actually think he's a great fit for what the Bears have already been doing. I think he can do the things that they're asking Justin Fields to do. I think he can do them faster. I think he can get the ball out to the perimeter faster. I think he can get the, the ball in the hands of the skill as Flus always puts it, faster. Um, so I think he's a good fit. And in fact, I made this comp last week. Johns, I see some Aaron Rodgers in Caleb Williams when I watch him. I actually texted Nate Tice last week about this because um, I'm like, am I crazy or am I seeing like the way he flicks the ball and gets it out, and like especially on those perimeter throws? Am I seeing some Aaron Rodgers here? And he's like, no, that quick game stuff especially he agreed with me on so i feel like you've gone like from not liking caleb williams too much to like now almost being fully blown away by what you see on film no what happened was you went to the notre dame game and then i watched that tape and that tape sucked and then i said i don't like that tape and then people got mad at me because i only watched one tape i actually watched two i watched that in the utah game and then I said, well, don't worry. I'm going to watch more. This is just me reacting to the two tapes that I've watched. And those are his two worst tapes. But, you know, this is why you watch the full picture. And even in that Notre Dame game, there was moments yes. where like, we were like, whoa. Like, okay, that's different. Like, yep. that, that's pretty darn good. Yeah. Now, I will also say, in other games where he looks amazing, there are some miracle completions he makes where I'm looking at that and I go, that's a pick six in the NFL. Do not do that. You need that coached out of you because he does some crazy hero ball stuff that's going to get him in a lot of trouble at the next level. Um, and we already know how much you know Eberflus talks about taking care of the ball. So, you know, my point is, back to the OCs though, like I think if you hire Shane Waldron, just for example, or Clint Kubiak, I don't think that that limits you one way or the other with your quarterback decision. If you hire Greg Roman, I think that would be a terrible hire for Caleb Williams. Um, is that run- the all-in Justin Fields move? It is, and I don't even like it as an all-in Justin Fields move because I don't think he's going to make Justin Fields any better as a passer. He'll put in the scheme that you need to have to get more out of his legs, 
But I don't see Justin Fields getting any better or any quicker getting rid of the ball with Greg Roman. And everyone's going to talk about Lamar Jackson, and that's fair because that's the most recent thing. And they got rid of him, and guess who looked way better throwing the ball this year? Lamar Jackson, who just went on to win the MVP without Greg Roman. He did it with Greg Roman, but then things got really stale in the passing game. They moved on, and they got a lot better this year. But here's the example I actually prefer better. Greg Roman was the OC for Jim Harbaugh in San Francisco. And they actually pivoted from Alex Smith to Colin Kaepernick to fit more of this idea of the running quarterback offense. And it was effective. But guess who became a better passer once he got out of San Francisco and landed in Kansas City? Alex Smith. Alex Smith. So I don't, I don't like Greg Roman even for Justin. Because I already know Justin can do all those things. And yes, I don't think Luke Getze leaned into those strengths enough running the ball with him. But I want Justin Fields, if they keep Justin Fields, I want Justin Fields to become a better passer. I, that's where, And I don't see that that's, happening. That's where you want the development. That's where you want the progress. Yes. That's where all, the, all that hard data, those bad numbers I mentioned earlier, that's where they are. As a passer, not as a runner, right. as a passer. Um, I had this line when I had my list of offensive coordinator candidates for the Bears um, in terms of Greg Roman. It's important to know what you're getting. From the San Francisco 49ers to the to the Buffalo Bills to the Ravens, Roman has produced top five rushing offenses in every season but one that he's been an offensive coordinator. The outlier was the number eight rush offense in 2011 for the 49ers. His best passing offense was 13th in 2021 with the Ravens. His second best pass offense was 23rd in 2012 with the 49ers. Yeah. And here's the thing. The Bears don't need Greg Roman to come in here to make the running game better. They already have an effective rushing attack. Wasn't it Luke Getze who said he they referenced old Ravens film from the Greg Roman era in 2022 when they the, – the mini-buy, yes. the, the famous mini-buy before yes. the, the, the Patriots game, the, the breakout game for Justin Fields. Luke Getze referenced looking at Ravens stuff to find ways to unlock the running game for Justin Fields. Right. It worked. They were, but that's my point. They, they've already shown they can do that when they want to. You hire Greg Roman, you're just getting all of that, which is fine if that's what you want. But, like, I don't see that how that helps Justin get better as a passer. And the running game's already there. That's not what needs to be fixed. The passing game needs to be fixed. Find me one of these guys off the Shanahan-McVay tree – that can, those guys like running the ball. Shanahan runs the ball. McVay runs the ball. They know the value of that, but they can unlock the passer at the same time. So give me one of those guys. That's where I'm Shane Waldron. That's where I'm Clint Kubiak or even Liam Cohen coming from Kentucky. Uh, I don't. I don't need Greg Roman here. I, I don't like that idea at all, quite frankly. So the two that stand out to me ab- above the rest right now are Waldron and Kubiak. I agree. Previous play calling experience, which to me. I'll say it again. That is a prerequisite for me this year. They need play calling experience at the NFL level. Waldron has, I think, two years more of it than Kubiak, but obviously Kubiak had success with the Kirk Cousins arc. Um, Kirk Cousins, actually, believe it or not, is like the uh, like a common theme amongst the success of like Waldron 
and uh, Kubiak, if you go back in time to the mm. Washington days. Um, I like just general takeaways so well, far. Kubiak, Kubiak had cousins in Minnesota too. True. Yes. Yeah. 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 Again, he's like our, our guys. Our guys everywhere. He's not even oh, playing. Yeah. He's hurt this year, but he's everywhere. Your guy. My guy. My guy. Um, if you just <laughs> you're not getting it. It didn't work. Damn it. If you just look at like so, general takeaways of just the the coaching or offensive coordinator search. Um, one, especially with Greg Roman now included, like it's. I don't think it's a, a, a huge net being cast, but I like that Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus are at least listening to different strategies, different ways of using personnel, different philosophies, different beliefs just in terms of what offenses should be but quarterback play should be. So I like that Greg Roman, at least in this capacity, was included. And my other one is, um, like, Waldron and Kubiak stand out, but, like, just in terms of the Cohen and Olsen interviews, like, Olsen's been in the NFL forever. You know, he goes back to the Bears, right? He spent one year with the Bears. Uh, yes, yeah. Can you name the quarterbacks he coached? 2000, 2003. Oh, Jesus. Um, There's three of them. Jim Miller would st- still be around, no. right? No? Shane Matthews? No. Nope. Oh, that was a Craig Krenzel year. Nope. How was that not Craig Krenzel? Because No, not. no, he was at Ohio State. <laughs> I don't know. Um, 2003. You should be able to get one right away. Come on. I don't want to. I hear they are. Cordell Stewart, Ugh. Chris Chandler, Rex Grossman. Uh, no, thank you. So his history is obviously extensive. But just in terms of like their interviews, like – I don't think Greg Olson and, and Liam Cohen are like – they're not in the same level as Waldron and Kubiak. It's good to have backups. But, like, I want you to start looking at this as a potential staff assembly. You get what I'm saying? Where it's Waldron, OC, play caller. Olson, quarterbacks coach. Liam Cohen, passing game coordinator. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. start thinking about the Bears' OC search – is also like a staff search because I, I agree with you. I don't know that Liam Cohen would leave Kentucky for that though. Cause he just left. He Sean went McVay. To, yeah. I he, get he it. left Sean McVay to go get play calling experience. He went back to Kentucky where he was before. But he's getting that get, play calling experience at Kentucky. Or do you want to come yeah, work with Caleb Williams, which is fine. But again, keep yeah. it on the table. Greg Olson. Same, same thing with Kubiak. Coach. Like, I think to get Clint Kubiak out of San Francisco right now, you're going to have to give him a job. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Now you're misunderstanding me. I'm not saying they're getting Waldron and Kubiak. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's probably one or the other on those guys. Yeah. But in terms of Greg Olson or Liam Cohen, if you're ranking offensive coordinators, they're not going to be top of your list. But could they be very good quarterback coaches, slap passing game coordinators? Absolutely. I see what you're saying. No, I do, especially yeah. the Waldron Greg Olson thing. I mean, they already work together in San Francisco. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, Seattle. So I mean, maybe you could get them as a package. It's possible. Um. So that's kind of where things stand. At least this morning, as we're recording on Tuesday morning, and um, I think the Bears are are being methodical. There's, I'm sure there'll be a few more names. Yeah, and. I don't know how I don't I think it's too early to kind of know how the new head coaching interview rules are impacting the timing of all this. But 
things seem to be slower. I don't know why. I mean, maybe I'm just projecting that, but I feel like, you know, so far the only job that's been filled is Gerard Mayo, and that's because it was already written in his contract that he was taking over, so they didn't have to go through the process. Um, so I, the point is I think the Bears are in a good position here where it, it's not like they have to be terribly rushed because a lot of the times, and this is why, part of why the rules were changed here, is it's a madhouse with all these interviews and coach, coaches flying everywhere and decisions essentially being rushed by agents. Well, there's been uh, no in-person interviews. They've all been over Zoom. Right. Or right. StreamYard, whatever you're using these days. But is that applying to the Bears interviews for OC? Well, maybe during this uh, cold battle oh, yeah. we're going through. Yeah. But no, it doesn't apply, especially if if you're looking at the Seahawks guys, Olsen and Waldron. Right, because they don't have jobs right and, now. And they've received permission. Well, they're still under contract, but they've right. received permission from Seattle to explore other options. Right. I'm really liking the idea of them as a potential package deal in some capacity here. I think that makes a lot of sense. You're checking a lot of the boxes. Although, so. like, I think Kubiak's number one on my list. He is. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the old man's influence and in his, his name, and I know it could work. Um, he's number well, one right now for me. Pretty good track record in the last few years of guys leaving San Francisco and having success. Bobby Slowick right now. Mike McDaniel, the year before that. And those were guys who were not calling the plays, too. Yeah, and Kubiak comes with the previous year of yeah. experience. Right, Kubiak's not calling the plays in San Francisco right now, but he did for one year in Minnesota. And, of course, you know, with his dad being Gary Kubiak, um, he's got a pretty, you know, extensive, long track record of um, systems and offensive football working you know, in the National Football League. All right. So we hit the OCs. We hit the quarterback talk. Um, anything we want to hit on from last night's playoff games before we get out of here? That situation in Philly is fascinating, to be honest. It looks like a team that looks like on the verge of, like, just major change, right? Like, just I'm looking at this from the outside in. Like, talk to your guy, Zach Berman, from your Philly show. Like, I, just looking at it, especially with, like, Jason Kelsey retiring. You got Dallas Goddard yelling at Jalen Hurts on the sideline. Something is is off. Sean Desai being replaced by Matt Patricia, and he's even worse. Like, there is something wrong right now with that organization. Um, something's not working. Like, this was supposed to be another Super Bowl run. Um, weren't they, like, 10-1 and at one point this season? They were, I mean, yeah, I mean, they lost six out of their last seven games. Yes, first-round exit, something is off. Something is definitely off in Philadelphia. Like, that seems like a, like, it's a sign of how, like, close teams can be and how things can just go away quickly. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're not terribly close to that situation. Um, to me, the and I've ranted about this enough and was on Twitter about it last night, but the Matt Patricia decision is just... You know, I don't necessarily know that firing Nick Sirianni right now is the best idea, but if you wanted to do it and pin it on that decision, I think it's actually justifiable. That's how bad. I mean, this guy hasn't been good coaching defense in six years. And and, and now you're hearing all this stuff come out of Detroit 
now that they're having success about what went wrong there and how the players basically quit on him. They don't want to play for him. He's a hard ass and that, you know, had rules about all this, you know, music in the locker room and stuff like that. Like, get out of here, man. It's the NFL. This isn't this isn't high school football. Um, and I don't know enough about Sirianni in that sense, but it sure seems like he's lost his team. And for someone to think that going down the Patricia path was the right move makes me worry that Sirianni's one of those types of coaches too. And once you lose a locker room, it's hard to get that locker room back. So I have a feeling, um, you know, I can't, I can't wait to read the athletic tell-all because, you know. <laughs> give, give it a year. I feel like you might get one more year of this. Um, but we've played this game before. Like once yeah. offensive coordinators and court, like position coaches start getting blamed, like this just reminds me of like firing Mel- Mark Helfrich and um, uh, like Harry Heastan. Like Harry yeah. Heastan, like was one of the best offensive line coaches like for years, right? And he gets blamed for the Bears' run game failures. But like we know how this plays out. Like the head coach may get a little bit of a longer run here, but it's going to end with a bunch of conflict and interesting anecdotes. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, well, it'd be fascinating. We could have two more jobs open up here. I mean, Mike McCarthy in, in Dallas, Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia. Um, what do you think of Baker Mayfield's turnaround? You know, I don't – this might sound weird. I don't necessarily think it's a turnaround. I didn't – I look, I understood why the, why Cleveland moved on from him, but I feel like we so – that went south so quickly. I think we forget that in year three in Cleveland, he was pretty good. I'm bringing up those stats right now. Like, like I remember in my head, Johns, when we went to Cleveland in 2021 – for Justin Fields' first start, we knew that was a tough game. Not just because of the defense they had, but because Baker Mayfield was a good quarterback. Like, it, there, there wasn't this like, oh, Baker Mayfield sucks, so this is a winnable game for the Bears type of thing. No. Like, Baker Mayfield was on every television commercial in the world. <laughs> he, he was considered... I like a, those commercials where, where the, the stadium was his home. I tweeted it last night, dude. Give him his TV commercials back. Yeah, yeah. This is, he wins a playoff game. They get his ass on progressive commercials yes, tomorrow. Yes, they could have so much fun with the uh, the pirate ship out there with the cannons and stuff. Yes, a hundred percent. Missed it back. opportunity. That should be fil- if they're not filming that right now this morning in Tampa. They're they they don't know what they're doing. Um. So I just think it was, and I'm also not trying to make the argument that Baker Mayfield's outstanding. I just, I think that, look, the Browns made a a pivot, an extreme pivot, for whatever reason. But Baker then went to Carolina, which was a terrible situation. Everyone knows that. He actually wasn't that bad with the Rams last year. But they already had Stafford, so obviously they weren't going to keep him. So he sort of ended up in a really good spot. Um, You know, I'm, I'm blanking on the guy's name now, the, the Bucks OC, the... Uh, Come on, you got it. Canales, right? Canales. Yeah. Who was who part of what tree? Um, well, he came from Seattle. Shane Waldron, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's a good fit there. And I just think, 
I think Baker Mayfield's back to being Baker Mayfield, which is to say, I don't know that this is like a, you know, a renaissance for him. I just think this is who he is. And if they want to keep him next year, great. I also think that he's one of those quarterbacks that, you know, sort of like Justin Fields or Tua or Dak, and I think Tua and Dak are obviously at another level. But, like, there's always going to be sort of this conversation, can we do better than Baker Mayfield? If they end up keeping him, I, I think that's going to be the case. And But he is going to get paid here, especially because of how many quarterback needy teams that there are in the league right now. Oh, he definitely earned himself another contract. He just won a playoff game. He just beat the yep. Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. Who were favorites, I believe, going into that game. Um, yeah, Baker, they probably shouldn't have been, but they were. Baker Mayfield's third season. Again, we bring this up because I think with all young quarterbacks, like that third season is such a marker. Like this is when things click for them. And I get it. Coaching helps. Situation helps. Um, the players around him help. But by his third season, things clicked for Baker Mayfield. Browns went 11-5. and five. He completed 62, or basically 63% of his passes. 3,500 passing yards, 26 TDs, 8 interceptions. He had a passer rating of 95.9, a good QBR of 65.5, and he averaged basically 223 passing yards per game. That offense was was working with Baker Mayfield. And and this year, like his numbers this year, 4,044 passing yards, 28 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 94.6 passer rating, basically 240, 240 yards per game, 54.4 passer rating. Like, things clicked. Yeah. So, uh, good. I mean, I, mean I, I think the Lions are going to be in the NFC Championship game. <laughs> <laughs> the team that should have lost to the Bears twice? Isn't that wild? Yeah. How do you interpret that? Do you interpret that as how close the Bears could be or how much Flus failed at least in one game? I mean, can it be both? I think the Bears are close to being the Lions. I don't think the Lions are going to the Super Bowl this year. I think they probably lose to the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. And I think that that game will expose that there's still a gap there. Um, the, the Lions-Bears comparison, it's just different sides of the ball. Lions are doing it with right. their offense. Bears yes. are doing it with their defense. 100%. 100%. But I think, you know, in terms of the rebuilding schedule, um, and obviously it's going to take another turn here because, you know, Jared Goff, Regardless of what the Bears do at quarterback, it's a very different situation because Jared Goff is very different from Justin Fields. And then obviously if you go draft a rookie quarterback, that's very different from having a Jared Goff who's you know at this point logged a ton of NFL snaps. Um, so it, it's not apples to apples, but I think the timeline, there's valid comparisons. And, then, and, and do I think the Bears are capable of having a season like the Lions have this year where they take that next step? I think they are. The problem is... I don't know if you noticed this, um, but there's more teams to compete with in the division than the Lions this year because the Lions got such a jump on the Packers that they had that thing. Oh, you mean the Packers might be good again? Yeah, the Packers might be good again. The Lions probably aren't going to get worse. I mean, you know, they might not be as good. Who knows? It's the NFL. Teams change every year, but they're not going to all of a sudden be awful. 
So, and it's not like the Vikings are ever pushovers. They might re-sign Kirk Cousins. As much as I like to talk shit about Kirk Cousins, your guy, you know, we all we're all in agreement that he's a pretty solid quarterback and is going to keep the, the Vikings relevant. I would actually argue, if you're a Bears fan, you should want them to re-sign Kirk Cousins because you basically just know the Vikings are going to be the Vikings. They're going to be there. They're not going to be easy to beat, but they're also not going to run away with the division or anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just think it shows the desperation in the position because there's, I mean, how many quarterbacks played this year? More than 60? Of course you're bringing back Kirk Cousins. And if he's offering the discount that he's talking about? Yeah. Hell yeah, you take that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah probably. Probably. Um, all right. Before well, we go, what do you what, what do you think of Mel Kuyper saying that the Bears could trade Justin Fields for a first round pick? Yeah, this is gonna sound weird. I don't know that Mel Kuyper believed what Mel Kuyper said. <laughs> he just sort of said it. <laughs> did you watch the video? I, I did. <laughs> like Mel Kuyper, ta- I love Mel Kuyper. I love. Uh, I legitimately love Mel Kuyper yeah. and have so much respect for all the draft work he's done for so many years. But when my- Mel Kuyper gets going, he talks so fast and is just like so blah, 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 blah. I don't know that he knows everything that's coming out of his mouth. And he's just like, hey, they might be able to get a first-round pick for – I'm like, I'm like, really? You know. Um, well – I do think that they could possibly get a first round pick. I'm not ruling that out. I've said that multiple times. Teams get desperate. Teams, you just need one team to get desperate in the right moment. So it's, I, I think it's possible. Now, the Falcons are at number eight, right? That's basically what, that's specifically what he said. He's like, the Bears could get the eighth overall pick. Um, That would be wild. Bill, Bill Belichick, <laughs> yeah. Justin Fields, unite in Atlanta. How about that? That would be something. That would be something. Um, I mean, yeah, it's just, well, that's another reminder that so many coaching situations still need to be finalized here. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot out there. And like I said, there might be more. Um, so, all right. Well, we should get out of here. Good stuff, though. We'll be back on Punch Thursday. Up. Kevin, Kevin Fishbane's going to be here. Not so fun facts. Is that what we're doing again? We're going to do not so fun facts? He's going to put a bow on the season. And maybe we some get like more. A couple fun ones, though. <laughs> Can we make that challenge? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got some fun things planned for you over the next couple weeks, so stay tuned. We really appreciate uh, all the support, as always. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. You can find the show at Hogan Johns. And, of course, uh, HoganJohns.com to get all that merch. Um, grab some of the hoodies, man. It's cold out there. My athletic get hoodie. It. My, my trusty athletic hoodie, yeah. The sun yeah. shining through my window here. Well, that's smart. The sun does give off heat. Let that sun shine in. Heat up a little bit. All right. Um, we will be back on Thursday with the Fishman. Looking forward to it. We'll talk to you then. See ya. Anyway, uh, who cares? <laughs>